What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. All right. Well, hi. Welcome back. Some of you I just talked to, for those of you tuning online, uh, thank you so much for joining with us this evening. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church right here in Jackson, Missouri. We are so glad that you tuned with us tonight online, but what we want to do is invite you to join us either on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. with the Joy Church family or on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. We meet right here with Next Level Freedom Church, and God has been moving. Has he not? Yes. Amen. Well, that was kind of quiet. He has been moving. has been moving, right? All right, so uh, God has been on the move, not only here, though, but in churches all across this world, and I am excited about what God's been up to. Anybody else excited about what you've been seeing? I'm not talking about on the fake news. I'm talking about the real news. Y'all excited about the real news, what God's doing, the things that are happening, the stuff that's getting exposed, and the people that are getting ready to go down, and yes, Satan has been up to a lot behind the scenes, and it's just now starting to come to light. And we talked about last Friday in our Good Friday service, we talked about there's nothing that's hidden that will not be exposed. They may escape it for a time, but in the end, the truth always comes out. And when the truth comes out, God's way will be seen, not only to those that's been paying attention, but to the rest of the world at what God has been up up to all over the place. So with miracles, signs, wonders, I'm telling you, it's like we're living in the book of Acts. And I've been saying that over and over, but we need to get an understanding on that as the church, because if you're supposed to be the church, and I'm supposed to be the church, and those of you out there that are claiming you're Christians are supposed to be the church, and the church isn't excited about what God's doing, why should the rest of the world get excited about what God's doing? Amen? Amen. Oh, man, look at your neighbor and say, Amen. Amen. That's better. That's a little bit better. Y'all quiet tonight. You all must be tired tonight. I want to read a passage that we don't, for this series, it's going to be an eight-part series because we're going to be taking a look at eight names of God that are mentioned in the Old Testament. And we're going to be taking a look at some of the stories where Jesus fulfilled those names from the Old Testament and brought them to today's world. But I want to read you something, and this is going to be for the next couple of weeks will be our key, and it's going to change throughout. You'll see as we go. Judges 21, verse 25. If you got your Bible with you tonight, go ahead and open it up. I'm reading out of the New King James Version tonight. It says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Welcome to 2022. How many of y'all can say that passage could be written today? Let's read it again. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Israel was running around, and it said what? Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So they thought, well, if it looks good to me, then it must be good, right? Can I read a couple of quotes for you? I want to read the first one here is from St. Augustine. 
tonight. And for those of you who don't know who that is, that's a historian from way back in the day. And he had a quote that he said, right is right, even if no one is doing it. And wrong is wrong, even if everyone is doing it. I'm going to try that again because y'all are quiet tonight. We'll try that one more time. St. Augustine, and this is a powerful quote. Right is right. Pay attention out there if you're not listening. Because there's a lot of things the world would tell you is right that aren't. Right is right even if no one is doing it. Wrong is wrong even if everyone is doing it. You ought to have enough integrity in your own Christian walk to know the difference between right and wrong. And you don't come up with ways to compromise how your way of thinking can be right because it's not. God's law is what's right. See, I love how the world tries to throw things in there like, well, that's your truth. Well, what, what, what standard are you measuring truth by? Let me just ask you. Because if you measure by God's standard, it's never failed. It's the only standard any Christian or anyone claiming they're a Christian should be living by. Right? If you live by... The world standard, well, anybody can have a truth, right? We call those opinions. We don't call those truth. Truth can be fact. They can be proven and accurate. See, the sun is hot. That's a truth. That's a fact. We can prove it. Try to fly too close to the sun. You're going to get burned up. Truth is, it's raining outside tonight, or it was a minute ago. That's truth because it can be proven. Walk outside. Take a look. Just because you want to walk outside and stand in the pouring down rain and refuse to believe it's raining doesn't mean it's not raining. And you're getting soaked and wet. See, that's how, I know we're laughing, but that's how silly some of these so-called truths sound that you're hearing about in this today's world. Let me read you another one, and it's really similar. That's what I like about it. This is from William Penn. He was one of the founders of Pennsylvania. He actually was one of the early colonists. He kind of founded Philadelphia. His name was William Penn. Look him up sometime. He says this. He was a Quaker, so he was in the movement. It says, right is right, even if everyone is against it. Wrong is wrong, even if everyone is for it. Similarity, right? Only now we're saying right is right, even if nobody else agrees with you, but you're standing on the word of God, which is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a truth. How do we know that's truth? Because Jesus proved over and over in your scriptures he was who he said he was. The son of God. We have a few people out there that would like to reason in their own truth, try to write him off. But did you really, I'm going to throw this, this is a sneak peek. It's something hopefully that's coming later this year. I've got a series called Prove It. We're going to go over how do we know the Bible's true. We're going to talk about that later though. But uh, Jesus is truth is what he tells us. And I lost my train of thought, so let me come back to that. But here it says, we're going to be talking over the next several weeks, eight weeks, it's an eight-week series, about five benefits of the New Testament covenant. And for the first two weeks here, we're going to be talking about this topic, forgiveness of sin and deliverance from sin's dominion. Somebody ought to have said amen. Because if your sins aren't forgiven, I can understand why you wouldn't amen that. 
But if you're born again, and you're truly the child of God you claim you are, then forgiveness of sin and deliverance from sin's dominion is a powerful word for you. Then we're going to look in the coming weeks. We're not going to look at these in detail tonight because we're going to start there. We're going to look at the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the promise of health and healing. Yes, we believe God is still in the healing business. We've seen too many miracles to deny and claim otherwise. Number four, freedom from the law's curse of failure and insufficiency. That's a big one. Because if we were trying to follow Old Testament law, we'd all be on our way to hell. Because Jesus said if you broke one, you broke them all. That was Jesus, you know, the guy that everybody thinks is so nice. He brought truth. He brought a sword that not everybody liked, that divided the bone from the marrow. And sometimes it hurts, right? And then the last however many weeks, so I haven't looked that far ahead yet, we're going to talk about the freedom from the fear of death and hell. We're going to be talking about that later on in weeks. But for these first two weeks, I want to center in on this. And this is where we want to zone in tonight. We're going to talk about the forgiveness of sin and the deliverance from sin's dominion. We're talking, remember, about five benefits of the New Testament covenant. Old Testament covenant, the laws were written on stone. Man was expected to follow those laws. Jesus comes, messes up the whole scene, dies on a cross. Now if we receive Christ as Savior, his blood covers those sins, and he does what we're going to talk about tonight, declares us righteous. It's not that we're actually righteous, but he declares us righteous because his blood covers those sins that have been lagging around with us. Where do we find our first name tonight? We're going to go to Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6. It says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, capital H, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely now this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. And that's where we're going to zero in on tonight's discussion. Some of you have heard it as Jehovah Sitkanu. Some of you have heard it pronounced other ways. We're going to look at the Hebrew pronunciation of it tonight real quick. But let me just point out that those words there, see, if you're reading like the New King James here, the words are all bold and they're written across. It says the Lord, our righteousness righteousness what that's actually doing is telling you what the name means right there in the text so you kind of got a cheat cheat if you want to say god's showing you he's giving you a hint on what he's talking about and we just talked about and we're going to look at it here as we get in tonight that the lord tells us our righteousness is his filthy rags we're nothing without Jesus. We're nothing without his blood. I'll stand here and tell you that as a living testimony without the blood of Christ covering me I'd be on my way to hell God's name, Jehovah, is spoken in English. Jehovah, Yehovah, Yahweh, Yavah, however you want to say it. There was no vowels back when that name was written. It was Y-H-W-H in, in translated. So they add the vowels later as the way it was traditionally pronounced. God's name, Jehovah, reveals his readiness to save his people and to act for them. Somebody say, 
God's ready. God's ready. Are you? Now, see, it was quiet that time. Let's try that again. God's ready. Thanks, Yvonne. God's ready. There we go. Are you? Are you? God's name, Jehovah, reveals his readiness to save his people and to act for them. He knew we could not live up to his standards, so he sent his son to die for us. Thus the name Jehovah, or I am that I am. (laughs) I mean, y'all know Jesus made some Pharisees mad when he said, I am. I am. I am that I am. That's the name you heard him when he told Moses. Who do I say is sending me to deliver these people? We just talked about him not too long ago. And he said, I am who I am. Tell them that I am has sent you. I am that I am can be rendered. I am with you, ready to save and to act just as I have always been. Your Bible tells you, if you're reading the Bible, some would like to say this isn't a prophecy. I like to look at it as Genesis 3.15. We get our first prophecy of a coming Messiah. You will recognize it as the serpent getting his head crushed by the heel of the one that was to come. Now, some say that was just revealing man. and they, There's different thoughts out there. I'm going to tell you that way back in Genesis 3, there was a rescue plan established. And had already been made. Matter of fact, the Bible tells you before the creation of the world, that a lamb was slain. God had a plan knowing that man could not hold up to the task. That quote I just read from you came from Larry Lee out of his book, Could You Not Tarry One Hour? And I'll read it again because I kind of spaced it out. It says, God's name Jehovah reveals his readiness to save his people and to act for them. Thus the name Jehovah, or I am that I am, can be rendered, I am with you ready to save or to act, just as I have always been. If you've never read that book, I want to encourage you to go grab it. Larry Lee, and I think it's L-E-A, is how you spell his last name. Could you not tarry one hour? That book will teach you how to pray. And it'll show you the outline that Jesus gives us in what we call the Lord's Prayer. At the last, When he told the disciples, How to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. I had that on there. Amen. Jesus told his disciples how to pray. But he wasn't saying just repeat these words over and over like many people have taken it nowadays. He was giving you an outline. Go look it up. Larry Lee, could you not tarry one hour? I'm not going to go into it because I could do a whole series later maybe on that. So we look at Yehovah or directly in Hebrew there, that name means the existing one. He's already been there. Before things began, he was there. He has existed from the beginning of time. And in Hebrew, the name put together is Yehovah Sedek. What is Yehovah Sedek? Well, Sedek means simply what is right or just, a.k.a. the translation we just read, righteousness. Being judged by God's standards, where do you stand? Where do you stand? So we're going to be going into John chapter 8 tonight as we begin the message. See, that was all an introduction. Some of you are like, okay, we're ready now, right? 
I've given you a little bit of an introduction on Yehovah Sedek, Yehovah Sitkanu. Some of you have heard Yehovah Sitkena, however you've heard it pronounced over the years. The Lord, our righteousness. He is the one that declares us righteous. We're going to look at that tonight. John 8 verse 2 says, Now early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. I want to stop right there for just a second because point number one tonight, and I'll explain it, so get ready, is walk in your path. What was Jesus doing as he opened up the scripture here? He was teaching. He knew what he was called to do. He was called to teach the word to a lost and dying world. He was called to be the lamb that ends up getting slain. But at this point, he's walking in his calling and he is teaching. Where did it say he's teaching at? Again into the temple, it says he went. He came into the temple and all the people came to him and sat down and taught him. So walk in your path. Whatever God has called you to do is the lane you need to be driving in. Well, Brother or sister so-and-so is over here doing this. I like that. Well, if God didn't call you to that, you don't need to be trying to be brother and sister so-and-so anyway because brother and sister so-and-so had got nothing on you because God has called you to something that only you can accomplish here on this earth. You are your own personality, all wrapped up in whatever you want to call it, flesh, whatever you want to call it. God when he created you, he created you with purpose. He has a design for you. He's saying, I've got this path laid out for you, but you keep going back over here. Now, the enemy would love to have you walk over here blind, doing what you know you shouldn't be doing, ain't got no business doing. But God says, if you'll follow me, I've got so much more for you. Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, this is Paul talking to the Philippian church, I may hear of your affairs and that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Paul is telling them here, it don't matter with, whether I'm with you or not. You need to be living right so that when I do get reports, how I many y'all know the world's watching? And they're watching you. You don't know it. See, I've had people I didn't know were watching me over the years. They told me they were watching me. The ones that tell me they were watching me are thanking me for something I did that I didn't have any idea I was doing. But they're always watching you got to be living it. If you're living in a mess, why would they follow the God you serve? John 8, verse 3. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? Whoa. Let me make point number two, and then we're going to talk about it. Point number two, what was Jesus doing right before this happened? He was teaching. Walking in his call. Point number two tonight, 
Distractions will come. The enemy is distracting you every day. And if you fall for it, he's willing to take you down that road as far as you want to go. All the way to death should you choose to do so. Distractions will come. So Jesus is teaching. He's teaching the people. Then religion showed up. Look at your neighbor and say, religion showed up. Whoa, that sounds strange, Pastor. Well, we'll see, religion and relationship aren't the same thing. See, in the Christian church, we believe in a relationship with Jesus Christ, our personal Lord and Savior. That's how we have a relationship with God. The rest of the world would tell you religion. What is religion? It's traditionally doing something over and over and over and over and over. You religiously, hopefully, do your laundry every day. You religiously brush your teeth every day. It's based on tradition. That's what religion is based on. They brought up tradition here. Relationship is based on what is God speaking to me right now. The only way you're going to know is if you have a relationship with him. So religion shows up. They bring a woman caught in adultery. You notice what they said here? They said to him, teacher. Let me say it like a religious freak, right? Teacher. (laughs) This woman was caught in adultery. In the very act. What else did he say? Here's religion. This is religion. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? See, religion was trying to set a trap. Jesus is smarter than that. Look at your neighbor and say, thank the Lord Jesus is smarter than that. So what happens? Well, my first question when I read this story is, where's the man? Because the last I checked, it takes two to tango. So if they're caught in the very act of adultery, the man is just as guilty as she is. So why are you bringing a woman, throwing her in the dirt, and accusing her of adultery? Where's the man? May have been one of them for all we know. We don't know. But I'm just throwing that out there. Proverbs 21, 21 and 23 tell us, He who follows righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness and honor. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Well, there's that word righteousness. Same word. The word we talked about earlier, setic. The word righteousness, sitkanu, some of you have heard in English. He who follows righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness and honor. So what do you got to do to have righteousness? You got to follow righteousness, right? Whoever guards his mouth and tongue, because they'll get you in trouble, keeps his soul from troubles. That's pretty good stuff. That's wise right there, right? That's why it's a book of wisdom, Proverbs that we believe Solomon wrote at least most of those Proverbs that you see there. So where's the man? And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. But here they are trying to set him up. Now, how many of you guys in the church would have fell for this? Maybe not this particular question, but how many have fallen for this? Religion shows up. What's religion say? Well, this is against the law. Moses says this. We got a stoner. They're looking forward to killing the lady. I can just see, with just reading the text, you can see the hearts of the religious leaders. They were ready to stone her. 
So what do you say, Jesus? Well, let's talk about it. John 8, verse 6. This they said, testing him. See, we told you it was a test. That they might have something of which to accuse him. Because see, they've already gotten ticked off enough. Now they're trying to find a way to set Jesus up so that they can have him killed. They said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear it. So what happened when religion showed up? Jesus ignored it. He started plittling in the dirt, right? I heard Pastor Couples years ago say he was playing in the dirt. He's just throwing that out there. He's in the dirt writing something. Because here's the deal. Point number three, you've heard this since you were a kid, probably. Actions speak louder than words. So what's Jesus do? The minute religion comes in and tries to mess the place up, he starts writing in the dirt as if, what did it say in the text? With his finger as though he did not hear. He was ignoring it. Psalm 31, 7 and 8 says, I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversities, and, I ha- and have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a wide place. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy. How many of y'all are glad that God showed you some mercy? And some of y'all have never been in the situation that this woman's in. See, you know, the movies and stuff portray it as if she had a sheet. Maybe she grabbed a sheet. Maybe she didn't. We really don't know because the Bible doesn't say if she had a sheet or not. Because if you're caught in the act, one, in just a moment, religion showed up and threw her out there in all her nakedness for the world to see. What's Jesus do? He starts writing in the dirt. Let's go on and read this. Verse 7 of John 8. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is the he is look at me. He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Point number four. Answer if needed, then keep moving. If they just won't shut up like the religious leaders here, speak the word, speak truth to them, and move. Because what the enemy would love more than anything else is to get you sidetracked. Off onto religion again, trying to follow all the laws that Jesus freed you from by his blood because he knew you couldn't live up to it. So when religion shows up, answer if needed, then keep moving. And Jesus, it's almost like he blew him off. Okay, if you don't have sin, you throw the stone first. Goes back to writing in the dirt. You know that theologians have debated for years what he, what he wrote in the dirt. And we, you want a short answer tonight? I don't know. I don't know what he wrote in the dirt. But I don't think it's about what he wrote. I, I think it's about why he wrote. Why did he do what he did? I've heard theologians say, well, he wrote the Ten Commandments right there on the ground. And they saw the laws and they couldn't hold up to it and live up, so they walked away. There's been several different interpretations. Really, we don't know. And anybody tells you they do, well, they're lying because we really don't know what's going on here, what he's writing in the dirt. But I like Pastor Couples' answer to this. <clears throat> I'm giving him credit where credit is due. 
He said, well, actually, let's get to the next part, and then we'll talk about it. But we're going to talk about it. Answer if needed, then keep moving. Luke 6, 36 to 38 says, Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Secular world has twisted this scripture all kinds of ways. You can't judge me. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever said that? I hope not. You can't judge me. No, but I can tell you God's standards and he'll judge you. So would I be more of a friend to you if I warned you early the judgment that is coming, that God will judge everything that you're doing right now, and you know whether you're messed up or not. We all got mess ups. What I'm saying is are you living in it? And so God is the judge, but if I weren't to tell you what his love and standards look like, because see, we've gotten caught up in this whole love gospel. It's all about just love everybody. everybody. God loves everybody. You should love everybody too. Yeah, God does love everybody, but you know what else the Bible tells me? God is just. God is righteous. And Jesus himself tells us, it is appointed upon man once to die. And after that, the judgment. Whether you're here when it all comes down and God's judgment begins to happen and you're alive or you die, judgment is coming for you. I think I'd be more of a friend if I told you the truths that God gives in his word. It's not all about love everybody. Here's the truth. Jesus said, I said it earlier, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What does that tell me? If Jesus is who he says he is, he is the only way to heaven. Amen. You don't know Jesus, you're on your way to hell. That's a truth. If Jesus is who he said he is. So Luke's telling us here to be merciful just as our Father is merciful. Forgive and be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Let's continue because I want to get to the good stuff here in just a second. John 8, verse 9, it says, Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one. <laughs> Whatever he was doing in the dirt caused some conviction, right? Looky here. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. Here's the key part, though. Pay attention to what Jesus says here. Those of you using judgment as an excuse. He says, Neither do I condemn you, but what does he leave her with? Go and sin no more. They left from the oldest to the youngest. That's what the Bible tells us. So Pastor Couples Theory that he threw out there years ago that I enjoy is that he thinks 
And he, say, he wasn't saying, he was joking, but listen. He was writing their girlfriends in the dirt. All their girlfriends. Because, because the older ones are wiser than the younger ones, it takes the younger ones a little bit longer to catch on what's going on. So he starts writing these names in the dirt. And the oldest like, oh, I'm out of here. And they were gone, right? Now, that's meant as a joke. So some of you are looking way too serious right now, all right? Maybe I didn't tell the good. But then the younger ones, as they're watching him write, oh, whoa, wait, 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 wait a minute. You notice it takes this generation a little bit longer to catch on to what's going on, right? Because they're too busy. Where's my phone at? They're too busy doing this. They've been fried to their tech. So they don't pay attention to their surroundings. Dude, y'all don't believe me. Check this out. I was working at the Rock Quarry years ago, and I kept noticing this thing come up on my phone. It was two girls. They were both in high school, and they were talking, and they went to the church I was attending at the time, and it just kept popping up. And, I, and I'm looking at them, and I'm, I'm like, uh, I don't remember if I had notifications on or what at this point, but their, their message is popping up on my phone, and they're talking about somebody. And talking about different things, it's not important what they were saying, but they were in seats directly across from each other in the bus. Because this generation, the devil's done a good job of taking out actual social lives. It is easy, for those of you out there watching me online, it is easy to type something up and hit send out there for the rest of the world to see. But if you are in person in that situation, You'd have never done it. See, we got a generation now that's getting bold with the stuff they're saying online. What they don't realize is everything that's put out there, whether it's in text message or online, is kept. Don't matter if you delete it or not, they have it on record. And they can bring it back up. And they're using that in court cases. Don't believe me. Do your own research. Look it up. Because this generation is all about mouthing off and shooting stuff out there. They don't really have a social life. Where was I starting with that? I started letting you know that the young ones, it takes them a little longer to catch on. But the old ones knew right away. Whatever he was writing, the conviction settled in and they walked away. While religion was standing there trying to judge, Jesus says, where are your accusers? The only one that could stand there and say, where are your accusers? And she said, has no, and he said, has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. He didn't say, I love you, go about your business, do whatever. He said, sin no more. That's Jesus talking. A Christian, you can recognize by the fruits. If the fruits you're sowing out here aren't godly, guess what? You're probably not a Christian. You better check your salvation. Because the Bible does tell us that you can judge a person by their fruits. So I can't judge you and condemn you. That's God's job. What I can do is see the fruits of what you're doing out there and your labor that you're putting your work and your effort into. And I can say, huh, they got issues. But so do I. So I don't condemn, I pray. Point five, and we're getting ready to wrap up. Because of Jesus, catch this, and I said it earlier, we are declared righteous. 
It's not that we're actually righteous. We're declared righteous when we receive him because his blood covers our sins. How do we do it? How do we go on living? Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's my only way out. That's your only way out wherever you're tuning. Romans 5, 8 through 11 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been or having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. What did he say? Through him. You receive Christ as Savior, his blood covers your sins. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. What are you talking about when we were enemies? When you were living like the heathen you are out there in the world. You were an enemy of God because you loved the world. You can't love God and the world. There's no fence. It's black and white. You either have received Christ as Savior and you're living it, or you haven't. Not saying you won't mess up and expecting you to be perfect, but you should be trying to be perfect. Trying your best. Verse 11, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation, your salvation came at a cost. It cost him his life. What have you done for him lately? Notice I said lately. I didn't ask what you did 20 years ago. I asked what you've done lately. Because if you're born again, the fruit should still be there. John eight twelve. then Jesus spoke to them again saying, this is the finish up the story there. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. Amazing how that light thing keeps coming back up, huh? But have the light of life. Romans 5, 20 and 21. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. I won't explain that. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness, the Lord our righteousness, we're talking about it tonight, to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. What? What does that mean? Right? Well, here's the deal. Let's, let's take a look real quick. Back in Moses' day, he was given ten commandments. He was given a lot more than ten. But the ten were on the tablets. He was given laws. Why were those laws here? Because before Moses, man was living in sin and they didn't realize they were sinning. They didn't have any laws. They had nothing to tell them that they were a sinner. God gives the law. What did it say here in Romans? This is what Paul's getting at. He said, moreover, the law entered that our offense might abound. In other words, that you might realize you're not perfect. You're living a life of sin. Without Jesus, it's hopeless for you. He says, so that sin reigned in death. Because we all know sin leads to death. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. 
How many people are going through that right now? Kill, he wants you dead. That's what he wants. Steal, he'll steal everything from you. You compromise a little bit, he'll take it all. And destroy. He will destroy your life. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, check it out, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life. What does it say? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's nothing that we can do by ourselves. It's all Jesus. How did Jesus live up to the Lord our righteousness? By becoming righteousness for us. By giving his life so that we could live. By dying on a cross to give you an opportunity to receive him and receive life. And if you reject him, well, you've chosen death. That may be harsh, but some people just need to hear it, the truth. You wanted truth, right? Who wants to be told something other than the truth? Media does that for you. Man, I'm, I'm hitting them hard. I better leave them alone. <laughs> Media will give you all the lies you want to hear, and they'll twist the story. They might give you a hint of truth, but there's more to it than what they're telling you. But God wants to give you the truth. Woo, the Lord, our righteousness. Jehovah Sitkanu, some of you have heard it as. And what did we say it was in Hebrew tonight? Jehovah Sedek. That's the Hebrew word for righteousness. The existing one. What is right or just? The Lord, our righteousness. So walk in your path. Distractions are going to come. Your actions speak louder than your words. Answer if needed when the distractions come, then keep moving. And then finally, because of Jesus, we are declared righteous. If you don't have Jesus tonight, that's where your journey begins. That's where your journey starts. Jesus can give you truths. I can only give you a limited amount of knowledge on. He's God. I'm not. He wants to see you saved. You just simply ask. You say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. The good news is it doesn't take all those words. You repent. James tells us you believe Jesus rose from the dead. You shall be saved. Overcomers in the end are saved. What's an overcomer? It's ones that have said bye to the world. Hello to God. Some of you out there watching me, maybe you're here. You've been living life praying it ends up the way you want it. With no direction whatsoever. And you're just out there living. Yet while you're out there doing what you call living, sinning, Jesus died so that you could have life. And some people are still rejecting him. Some outright refuse him. But if you received him tonight as your Savior, I want to say congratulations. Your next step is to find you a good church home that is making disciples and you need to be baptized. Because that's the way Jesus had it done. You got to get discipled. You got to get in a church that's open, not the ones that still got their doors shut from something that happened two years ago.
ones that are still open, teaching the gospel, and they are all over this nation. If you're one of those sitting out there believing what the news is telling you, I'm here to tell you there are a lot of churches that have been open, that have been seeing moves of God that are unexplainable in this world that you're living in. Not acts in this world. And you are missing it because you're choosing to buy the lie and live how you want. But if you receive Christ, I want to say congratulations. Welcome to the kingdom of God. If you want to, you can check out nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. And right there at the up top of the website, there's a menu button. If you click on it, you go all the way to the right side. There's a link that says the road to new life. You click on that link. It takes you to a separate website that I created in college, which will walk you through the process of salvation. And it even explains why it's necessary using God's word. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. God bless you. And we will see you guys next week.